live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. It's the middle of the week, hump day, Wednesday, August 10th, the year 2022. Hope we all are having a fabulous, fabulous day. Partly cloudy skies. You know, we're going to get an afternoon shower here and there. Uh, but we've got a, a fun, fun show planned for you and yours. But um, my main man, James Mesh, producing... As he does each and every day. Thankful for that. Um, he is spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons in the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in the lovely village of Lake Charles. We are streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. If you happen to be in the Cadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber did you miss the headlines of the day not to worry the blonde bomber has you covered here is holtberg's headlines well roger goodell says the nfl's evidence calls for a full season deshaun watson ban and he calls the quarterback's behavior predatory wow predatory um we've seen the evidence according to mr goodell which was very clear um there were multiple violations here they were egregious and it was predatory behavior he said uh, yesterday following a special league meeting in minneapolis quote those are things that we always felt were important for us to address in a way that is responsible so um, stay tuned as the NFL moves on. Taysom Hill, as you heard in the two-minute drill, um, on shifting from quarterback to tight end, quote, this isn't necessarily what I want. It's what's best for the team. He is embracing his new role, and he just wants to get on the field. He said that's the nature of the NFL. This isn't necessarily what I want. It's what's best for the team, and I am good with that. 31 years old, Taysom Hill, looking at the positives like getting playing time, and that's always the key for everyone. The Raging Cajuns are 24 days away from game number one with the Southeastern Lions coming to town. LSU is 25 days away from their opener in the Caesars Superdome against Florida State. Uh, the Tigers returned to the Ponderosa yesterday. There was no media viewing. Well, we've got some sound coming up later on in the show that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about and show you uh, what these players had to say. Um, again, big, big scrimmage on Thursday that will really start to the coaches will hope it will start to separate players and they'll start to see who they really, really can count on. Um, an announcement 
tonight from the quarterback at Woodlawn High School in Baton Rouge, Ricky Collins, at about 7 o'clock tonight. He will uh, name his school. It's going to be LSU. I don't think there's any question, any doubt about that. The other big news on the recruiting front is that four-star cornerback Bravion Rogers has decommitted from Texas A&M, and all signs point to him eventually donning um, the purple and gold of LSU. Wouldn't that be very, very nice, to say the least? Yes, indeed. Um, And... Wake Forest, a team that many have picked in the top 25, their quarterback Sam Hartman is out indefinitely with a non-football-related medical condition. Um, I don't know what that is. He underwent a medical procedure Tuesday night. Uh, after seeking medical attention during a workout earlier in the day, the school didn't specify the nature of the situation, citing privacy laws, but said it was one of those things that could happen to any of us. Um, he accounted for 50 touchdowns last season, and Wake Forest had one of their best years in an awful, awful long time. Uh, so we wish him uh, the very, very best. There's been a trade in the NFL uh, between the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans. Um, and this happened when the uh, Dolphins acquired a 2023 six-round pick from the Texans in in exchange for tight end Adam Shaheen and a 2023 seventh-round pick. The Texans are getting a six-foot-seven tight end who was the Bears' second-round pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. He caught three touchdown passes as a rookie before injuries limited him to just 14 games over the next two seasons. After being traded from Chicago, to Miami in 2020, Shaheen matched his career high with three touchdown catches, helping the Dolphins post their first winning record in four years. He caught 12 passes last season uh, while playing alongside Mike Gusecki, one of the NFL's most productive tight ends. So uh, a wheeling, dealing trade going on. Um, Saints back on the practice field uh, again today. Um, And... Practice number 13 of training camp. And we'll get the lowdown on everything that happened today. John Hendricks will be joining us in a few minutes uh, to talk about that. Frank Schwab will join us, and we'll go over all the Deshaun Watson, what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo, everything else that's uh, that's under the sun. We'll uh, we'll go over that with, uh, with Frank Schwab. Hour number two, we'll get behind the scenes of the Kevin Durant Brooklyn Nets saga with with Grant Hughes. We'll talk some. NBA talk with that um and then michael huguenin it'll be hump day with huguenin uh as we uh do each and every wednesday the saints have announced that they'll debut their black helmets during this 2022 season uh for the first time when they travel overseas to face the minnesota vikings in london on october 2nd I don't know what to think about uh, a black helmet for the Saints. Um, long, 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 long time ago, they had one. Uh, but now this is the first time in a long time the NFL approved rule changes in 2021 that will make the 22 season the first since 2013 that 
teams will be allowed to wear helmets with a different design. Remember that October 2nd game against the uh, Vikings is set for 8.30 a.m. our time at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and it will be on the NFL Network. Um, So it's got... uh, Gold numbers, a gold fleur-de-lis, white trim around the numbers and logo. There are miniature gold fleur-de-lis symbols down the center of the helmet. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people are traditionalists. Some people are not. It is what it is. So the Saints helmet um, in London. Uh, The Astros in Major League Baseball, um, the Yankees finally got got a win um, yesterday. Uh, and they've expanded their lead over Toronto to uh, 10 and a half games. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros um, lead the their division in the AL West by 11 and a half over the Seattle Mariners. Both the Astros and Mariners are five and five in their last 10. There is a horse race. The Twins and the Cleveland Guardians are tied. 57 wins, 52 losses. They're in a a stalemate with the White Sox a game and a half back. Um, In the National League, it's the Mets by seven over the Braves. The, The Mets have won eight of their last 10. The Braves have faltered there. Five and five in their last 10. Uh, The Phillies are making a push. They're 10 games back, but they've won nine of their last 10. St. Louis Cardinals um, now just a one-game lead. They lost yesterday. The Brewers won. Uh, So the Cardinals with a one-game lead over the Brewers. And in the NL West, you can kiss it goodbye because the L.A. Dodgers are rolling. They're up 16 over the Padres despite um, a walk-off winning hit uh, for the Padres yesterday. So that's your major league update. And don't forget, we've got another Astros weekend getaway. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Orioles will be playing for their uh, wild card live, so you know it's going to be an important game for them. Uh, Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets a tour of minute maid park and hotel accommodations that saturday night astros weekend getaways are powered by butcher ac lay meridian houston downtown and the game southwest louisiana's sports station we're brought to you today by the great folks at Cajun Chef, you know, the Art family uh, has started Cajun Chef back in the day right there in St. Martinville. It's been passed on from generation to generation. They still put out the best hot sauce on the planet because they only use the finest peppers that they can find. Um, it's decidedly different and it's delectably delicious. Uh, Cajun Chef hot sauce, everything tastes better with it on it. And they've got so many products for your, um, to spice up your pizza, your eggs, whatever it is, they've got it. And their jalapeno peppers are just to die for. Um, do it right, do it with Cajun Chef. 
and bring a little bottle with you wherever you go because truly everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. All right, John Hendricks talking Saints, Frank Schwab talking the NFL. That's just a part of what we've got in store for you for our number one of the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 16 minutes after the hour. And um, time to talk about the New Orleans Saints and everything that took place today in um, camp day number 13. Um, John Hendricks is kind enough to join us. He's the busiest man on the planet. He's out there at every practice observing, taking notes uh, for Boot Crew Media, Saints News Network. He's, He's everywhere and does a tremendous job, and we're thankful to have him today. Hey, John. How are you holding up, man? We always ask about the players, but you're out there in that heat. You're watching all over the place. How's it going for you? Yeah, look, the heat wasn't too bad. Appreciate you asking. Um, today is kind of overcast. I thought it was one of the more comfortable days that we've had out in Saints training camp. And when it's South Louisiana, you're saying that, you're kind of like, what are you talking about? And I guess that kind of puts it a little bit in perspective. But, man, it's good. Uh, 13 days of camp or whatever, and – Man, I'm ready for some preseason action. That's that's kind of where I'm ima- staying right now. I would imagine the players are as well. No Jameis Winston again today, so the Saints they don't want to wear out arms, so they picked up K.J. Costello. We're familiar with him. He went to Stanford, then went to Mississippi State. Now he's with the Saints. They brought him up. Just a camp arm, right? Yeah, that's what I would say. Look, you know, you want to take some reps off of Andy Dalton and Ian Book and, you know, just put it in perspective, each quarterback when they're going through pretty much their team drills they each get about four reps a piece sometimes you know maybe three depending on what period they're working on but you know like for instance past couple days six reps a piece in those and you're running those in a few different sessions so those kind of add up and you know you don't want to be throwing it in practice you know 20 30 times every single day and when you can obviously split that load so i think it helps also take some pressure off of guys like dalton in the preseason and uh, hopefully get a little bit more insight as to what the plan will be there. But, you know, look, it's uh, just going to be a camp, buddy. That's really what you're looking at at this point. <laughs> That's right. No disrespect, but we know what it is. Yep, that's it. The facts are the facts. So I heard there was another little uh, scuffle, but no, it was not Trevor Penning. Somebody else was in the fray this time. Yeah, look, you had Taco Charlton and J.C. Holt get into it, so – one of those things after the whistle type of play, and, and you know, like VA said, look, I like the spirit, I like the competitiveness, but you know, these guys got to know that this is something that's not tolerated on Sundays and game day, so we can't tolerate it here. Both ended up getting tossed from practice, so it's uh, you know, unfortunate stuff like that happens, and tempers kind of boil over for some of these guys. But you know, that's part of the game, and and look, I think I don't want to say it's healthy, but I think it's it's necessary for some of these guys to get some of this aggression out. And, you know, um, yeah. it's better, I guess, with your teammates, and it'll be really interesting when we get to Green Bay next week. John Hendricks with us. Um, any, you know, they have walkthroughs and they, you know, do all these things. Any significant changes that you see lineup-wise, or is everything – are there really positions up for grabs here? 
No, and I mean, the thing is, so a lot of things uh, you notice, the first thing that sticks out is Landon Young is being at right tackle, and has played a lot of uh, snaps for Ryan Ramchek. And so there's not a, a controversy here. It's just part of this maintenance plan that Dennis Allen has. They want to limit some Ramchek snaps. They don't want to obviously get him in a situation where, you know, somebody like that gets hurt. And Look, I thought Landon Young looked, his, his looked really good, you know, throughout this camp. But, you know, James Hurst, Still starting left tackle. I don't think there's anything there. He had a rest day yesterday. Um, so I don't think there's going to be anything from Trevor Penning. But, you know, again, one of those guys to watch. Really, when you look at the unofficial depth chart, the depth, depth chart the team put out, I mean, everything looks pretty set in stone. I mean, I don't think there's many surprises there. You know, CD's been uh, a guy that I wouldn't say falling on the depth chart, but, you know, has been working a lot with the twos and the threes. And, you know, giving some more snaps to guys like uh, Bradley Roby and, and some others like that and Alante. Uh, John Hendricks, um, 13 practices under their belt. Chris Olave, uh, the first pick for the Saints in the first round. Have you noticed um, a player that's now even more comfortable in his own skin? He's starting to understand what this game is all about. He's going up against a, a pretty darn good secondary. How has he handled himself? And have you seen him kind of mature right in front of your eyes? No, look, I think he's been every bit the part that the Saints expected him to be. You know, again, we heard about how smooth he looks and his route running and just the way things have gone with him. And I think it's been completely on display all of, of training camp. And maybe had a slow start, not in the sense of, like, he looked bad, but just wasn't making a ton of plays, really. But, man, he, he came on last week, had obviously a great practice and, and really shined. They made a great one-on-one catch, had a good one-on-one catch against uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson for a touchdown. And, look, I think he's just somebody that's kind of sneaky. He gets behind a lot of the – finds the soft spots in the, the coverage and just able to kind of slip behind some of these defenders and such. And so I really think that with Michael Thomas coming back and the way he's been looking, he's just phenomenal. And, and you get Jarvis Landry out there in a slot, and then you put a guy like – uh, a lobby out there, and this is going to be a hard offense to stop. And so, I, again, I don't need to see a ton from him in the preseason. I will think that he's going to get a few snaps here and there. But, you know, look, uh, I don't think there's anything that Alave's done that has said, man, uh, I think this is a wasted first-round pick. I think it's the exact opposite. You see everything that you've wanted to and then some out of this guy. One guy we haven't talked about, and, and we know who the, the three receivers are, one, two, three. Um, there's a bunch of names at four, five, six. I haven't heard one mention of Marquez Callaway. We've heard of uh, uh, Deontay Hardy. We heard some Traquan Smith talk. What's going on with Marquez Callaway? And is he, um, is he in a battle to, to, for a roster spot? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he's had a pretty quiet camp. And, and look, I think – some of these guys like that, they need the preseason. They need to be able to show up in the preseason and do some things just to, to make sure that, you know, hey, we hadn't forgot about your type stuff. And, look, I think guys behind him like Kirk Merritt and, and Dejon Dixon have, have really done a, a phenomenal job here and have stood out way more than Callaway. I mean, he's doing some special teams work. I mean, I think they're finding some things for him. But if you had to ask me right now, you know, Deontay Hardy and Traquan Smith are your four and five guys. And then after mm-hmm. that, I can't tell you that Callaway has a spot on the roster, and it's not because I don't believe what he can do or anything. It's just that's kind of how it's gone. And so it'll be really interesting to see if he can kind of turn it on in the preseason. And, you know, Dennis Allen talked about it, that preseason matters, but obviously you want to see it in camp too and in the preseason. So 
just because somebody flashes in one area and they don't in the other doesn't mean that they're going to get a right. roster spot. So guys like Merritt are facing a really important time. Maybe he's a uh, maybe he's a, a gamer and not a not a practice player. We shall see. Um, another name I keep hearing an awful lot about. We, we know it's Alvin Kamara. We know it's Mark Ingram, but. Seems to me Tony Jones Jr. is working his way up, and apparently he had uh, quite a play today. Yeah, look, he had a slow start to camp too, and uh, but man, the past several days he's really come on and has been, you know, kind of playing lights out. And you were saying, you know, nobody really distanced themselves as a third down running back or third running back here. He has now, I, I think, and you know, had a great screenplay today. Had a convoy out in front of him sixty yards. No, nobody was even within 20 yards of him. So, I mean, that's, that might have been hmm. busted play, but, again, that's a, a good time for him. He's rattled off some good runs. Obviously, it gives you upside as a returner and playing on special teams. So, uh, right now, I think he's got to kind of leg up on things right now. And so, um, you know, again, another player you want to see a little bit more in the preseason, see what he can bring to the table. But, you know, this yeah. he's, he's heating up at the right time. Let's just say that. Uh, John Hendricks with us, uh, talking Saints, uh, 13 practices under their belt. They'll take on the Houston, Texas. It's Saturday in Houston. Uh, we, I, I keep, you know, Tony Jones Jr. makes a, a, a great play on a, on a well-executed screen. Um, Andy Dalton's completing passes left and right. Ian Book is completing passes left and right. I'm starting to wonder, because you hear about the New England Patriots, and they, they can't move the ball at all on offense against that defense. So is the Saints' defense all that in a handful like I think it is? Or why is the Saints' offense having so much success? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, you're down on a couple players right now. You don't have Marshawn Lattimore out there. And, you know, again, these are things are going to happen. But, I, again, it's not a complete full contact, I would say, at practice. And so, okay. Um, you know, again, it's it's one of those that it is. It's contact and stuff. But I wouldn't necessarily be worried about the defense because, you know, look, today they look pretty awful in the red zone. But the day before, they look great in red zone. They look great in, in uh, two-minute offense. I mean, there's – a lot of things, and it's just kind of this back-and-forth battle. And so I think every camp we start seeing kind of patterns where defense looks good to start, and then the offense comes right back at them and is able to rebound. So I feel like this has kind of been the pattern we're used to seeing. Uh, but, of course, now you want to see what happens and against Houston as far as how the defense does and, you know, getting the wrecks rest in there and all that good right. stuff is, is going to work, work wonders as far as how they play. So, uh, again, I'm really – uh, intrigued to see how this defense does handle up, but I believe it's still a top unit regardless. Uh, John, how's Taysom Hill looking at tight end? Yeah, he's looking comfortable. I mean, you know, got to get him back out in team drills. I'd be kind of surprised if he plays a little bit just because he's been coming in with a rib injury and he's, he's in that ramp-up period. But, you know, look, I saw him even getting some stuff at, at returner and walkthroughs. But this guy's huh. uh, the joker role, jack of all trades. I mean, this is a guy that I believe that is going to make a pretty big impact with with how this offense likes to run things. And you know, he just you know Dennis Allen said the other week that look, we want to find snaps for him to affect the game, and whether that's as a quarterback running powers or and uh, you know runs, design runs, or wide receiver, tight end, special teams, they're going to find work for Taysom Hill. And and again, it works until it doesn't, and I'd be uh, be more impressed with him and, and what he does in the preseason for sure. I know he's going to be able to put some good film out there and 
Look, yeah. he's bulked up a good bit, so I can tell there's a massive difference in Taysom Hill, the quarterback, versus Taysom Hill, the tight end. I think he's going to be really – I think the tight end position is going to be a strength of this top. I, I really believe Adam Troutman is going to have a heck of a year, and I've always been a believer in Taysom Hill. I just think he's an athlete, and he's going to figure out a way. Uh, so what we thought might be a real weak link, uh, I think is going to have a heck of a year, that that tight end room. So at least at least that's what I think. I hope, I hope I'm right, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that was my concern coming in is, is the tight end room is, is that, you know, look, I, I would say we've talked about it on your show before that I think Nick Vanette is a guy that's on the bubble. I think mm-hmm. Jason Hills has got the upside there. Troutman is looking really good in camp. Last year he wasn't looking so hot in camp. I mean, he's a guy you just didn't notice a lot. And so, yeah. um, and then he played hurt last season. And then Jawan Johnson is the other one that I would take right now. And he's a really good threat in the red zone and does a lot of good things and um, you know, I would see those guys being the, the three that they take. Um, and again, nothing settled, nothing set in stone. But if you had to ask me right now, the way things are running with the first team and all that other stuff and seeing the, the writing on the wall, if you will, that's kind of how it'll shape up for the tight end room. And, you know, look, I hope they put it all together. And, and everybody that you talk to, or just even if you just think about it, that there's a lot of expectations there ever since Jimmy Graham's played the position. And, they just yeah. haven't had anything there that's resembled that. I mean, they've had some things that are close, like Ben Watson, another, you know, on a late right. end of his career, flashes from Kobe Fleener, a little bit here from Jared Cook, but nothing that's even remotely come close to what Jimmy was able to do in, in the black and gold. Boy, no, no words were true or spoken. Uh, John Hendricks, uh, thank you so much. Go relax. Go take it easy for a minute. Uh, and I greatly appreciate your time, buddy. You're the best. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, John Hendricks, kind enough to join us with the latest on the New Orleans Saints. Um, 13 practices under their belt. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you out. Once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win some prizes, some really good prizes. How about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou? How about a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill? Or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today we'll keep it in the nfl frank schwab the schwab from yahoo sports when we return after this time out on the jordy helper show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We welcome you back 35 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, August 10th. We had the very latest from Saints camp. Now let's keep it around the the NFL with um, our guru from Yahoo Sports, Frank Schwab, out there in Denver, Colorado, with his finger on the pulse of things. Hey, Frank, how are you, sir? What's going on? Um, Well, let's see. Uh, Roger Goodell says that um, uh, the evidence – against Deshaun Watson calls for a full one-year ban, or suspension, rather, uh, and he called his actions egregious and predatory behavior. 
Uh, what does this mean now uh, in the in the legal genre, and what does this do now? What do you think? Yeah, it's it, it's going to be a mess. And regardless of what we think about, you know, Deshaun Watson and what he should get or whatever, the fact is, you know, the union, the NFL, decided, hey, let's have our independent arbitrators on this. And the NFL said, yeah, that didn't really matter. We're appealing anyway. We're going to make our own decision. It's just the union and the NFL have had this ridiculously complicated adversarial relationship for many years now, pretty much since mm-hmm. Gene Upshaw died. And this is, I mean, again, regardless of what we think about what should happen with Deshaun Watson, this is going to make the relationship a lot worse. It's So there's going to be a fight. But I don't know really what what the union can do about it. They agreed to this. They agreed, hey, we can appeal, and the NFL appealed. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just messy in so many ways. Like, this whole situation is just a mess. But I get what the NFL is doing. Like, you know, so many people, I mean, to you, to, to me on Twitter, whatever, have been like, oh, the NFL screwed this up so bad. They only six games. The NFL doesn't care. The NFL... Well, the NFL didn't really rule on this. The NFL, uh-huh. it was an independent arbitrator who judged on this. So I, I think that the NFL just got kind of tired of being the bad guy here and has said, we don't think this is right. We're going to take this into our own hands. We're going to make a decision, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens after that. What's going to happen with Cleveland and the quarterback? Are they going to rely on Jacoby Brissett, and that's what they're going to do, or do they have an alternate plan in mind? I mean, I would think anyway that at some point they'd have to at least talk to the 49ers to just say, mm-hmm. look, you're not getting anything for this guy. We need a quarterback. Let's just figure out something reasonable. And I don't know, you know, the the 49ers are so deep into the weeds on this Jimmy G thing that they're just kind of holding him and holding him for nothing that I think they would be happy to kind of come out of this saying they got anything for him, conditional, whatever. So I think that call would have to be made, and you can't say that. You know, I mean, the Browns came out and said, "Oh, you know, we're going to ride with Jacoby as long as as Watson's out." Well, you can't say otherwise. You can't say Jimmy Garoppolo is our guy; he's under contract with somebody else. So I think that they would make that call, but who knows? I mean, maybe they just say, "You know, Jimmy's too expensive. We don't want to pay the draft pick. We don't know if he's a big upgrade. We're just going to see what Jacoby Brissett has, and and Jimmy G is going to stay in San Francisco because we don't think he's much better." I don't know, but I, yeah. I assume anyway that they would have to make the call. Uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, with us. Uh, let's stay in the quarterback room. Um, what's going on in Pittsburgh? No more Ben Roethlisberger. You got Mitch Trubisky. You've got um, uh, Mason Rudolph in there, uh, quarterback that they drafted, and Kenny Pickett. What, what are you hearing about things in Steel City? Yeah, and it's a mess in a much, much different way, uh, in a football way. The, uh, I mean, no, it, it just seems like all those quarterbacks are terrible in camp right now. I mean, Trubisky <laughs> especially is struggling a long and you know, Pickett still looks like a rookie, and you know, all the chatter is coming about Mason Rudolph because I guess he's been the best guy in their camp, and that's not good. We all know who Mason Rudolph is by now, and he's yeah. he's a backup at best. So, I mean, I, you just wonder, like, how bad is this Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback situation that bad? Is it just these guys are off to a bad start in camp against what might be a pretty good defense, or is it really that dire? Because if it's as bad as all the reports, if, if this just continues, wow, Pittsburgh is in a lot of trouble because I haven't read anything positive out of that camp. I heard I, I did a Pittsburgh radio show a week or so ago, and I basically was like, you know, really, Mason Rudolph and, and the host, Mark Madden, was like, 
He's the only guy where he's the only guy doing anything in camp worth anything. That's why we keep talking about him. Like, okay, that's not good. So, yeah, that that really is not good. I expect some stability by the time the regular season rolls around. We still got a month to go, but man, it doesn't sound good out there. It sounds like they are really, really having trouble finding somebody. What's What's worse um, is Seattle. I, I hear Geno Smith is still. If its season started today, Geno would be the starting quarterback. That's That's I'm, not good. I, I they saw and it just keeps. I've said this often, and I'll keep saying it because it keeps blowing me away. They signed up for this. The Seattle Seahawks at some point said, "You know, we could try to work things out with Russell Wilson, but we're just done with it. We're going to trade him, and we're going to go Geno Smith as our starter." I mean, it's just, this is really, truly, honestly, Jordy, what they signed up for. They, they this quarterback competition is what they voluntarily got themselves into when they sent off Russell Wilson, a future Hall of Famer. So, yeah, it's messy out there. It's bad. I think the, the Seahawks, look, Pete Carroll's a pretty good coach. For the, I don't agree with all of his methods and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. he gets results. I, it's going to be, so they're probably a little better than I think they'll be, but man, it, it's just, yeah, you go into the season with Geno Smith as your top option at quarterback, it's, it's just not going to turn out that well. No, no. Um, do you foresee a kind of a resurrection of Matt Ryan? He's out of Atlanta. He's on a much better team with the Indianapolis Colts with a much better deep, much better, much better team. Is no beating around the bush. He's got a running game with Jonathan Taylor. I, I, do you do you see Matt Ryan and, and and these Colts going a long way? I do. I think they're going to be good. I think they win that division for sure. I'm not the only one with that opinion. So there's nothing revolutionary there, but. You keep reading all the reports coming out of that uh, training camp with the reporters there, and it's all the offense just looks different. The offense is just running at a much more efficient pace, and the the ball gets to the guys on time, and the players themselves are excited. And I don't think Matt Ryan's ever going to be an MVP again or in that conversation, but he doesn't need to be. It's that's a team that's built for the quarterback to be a high end game manager, and he can be that. I really I think he's going to be a much better player than Carson Wentz. And I just, I, yeah, I got good vibes about the Colts. I don't know that they have the ceiling to go all the way. I don't know that they can necessarily win a Super Bowl. But I think Matt Ryan is going to make them much better. I think they're going to definitely win that division. And then we'll see. You know, hey, teams get hot in the, in the postseason. And Matt Ryan's got some experience. So I, I think it's been a good thing for Matt Ryan and a good thing for the Indianapolis Colts. Give me the reason why so many people are high on the Dallas Cowboys. What, what, I'm one of them, you know. Hey, I, Jordan, the funniest thing, like, you know, I do these, I do these power rankings, right? And I, I, I yeah. count down the teams on my team previews, and people complain to me that I got their teams too low, right? I got, or, you know, I did, hey, why isn't my team in the, why aren't the San Francisco 49ers top five? All that kind of stuff. For one of the rare times, Dallas Cowboys fans were coming at me saying, how in the heck could you have the Cowboys fifth? They're terrible. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing to me. The Cowboys, see, here's my argument for the Cowboys, is okay. they were really, really good last year. Really good. Like, we forget that because they lost in the playoffs, and that's all anybody really remembers. Like, it's 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 a, it's a unfair in many ways. In a one-and-done, you know, a playoff tournament type of deal where whatever you do in your last game is all that anybody remembers out of you. And all we remember is them losing to the 49ers and the, the, the quarterback draw at the end that ran out of time. Before that, during the regular season, this really was a fantastic football team. I mean, they were, I mean, they could have won a Super Bowl last year. They really could have. They had that kind of talent, that kind of run. They had a bad offseason. They lost some guys. There's no doubt about it. But 
I mean, when you really take a look at it, like, was Amari Cooper that indispensable? Was uh, Connor Williams, one of the linemen they lost, was he a, a, a all-pro? Like, not really. I think that their losses have been a little bit overblown. It's, it's not nothing. They, they took a step back, for sure. But they started at a very high level to where they regress a little bit. I still think they could be a very, very good football team. I like the Eagles, too. I think I've already made a bet on the Eagles to win the NFC East. I think they're going to be a really, really good football team this year. But it's almost to the point now where I'm like, People are overreacting too much to the Cowboys. The Cowboys were a very, very good football team last year. And, yeah, they had a, a, a tough offseason, no doubt. But I don't think they lost uh, so many guys that they can't be really, really good again this year. Is uh, Dak Prescott um, high on your list? Yeah, I really like him. I, I, I like Dak. I think he's, he's, he's one of those that, look, there's some guys walking the earth who are just literally elite I know that term is overused and mocked sometimes, but literally elite to the point where I define that as you could basically give them any coaches, any teammates, any scheme, and they're going to lift everybody on their shoulders. Everybody around them gets better. Is Dak Prescott one of those guys? Probably not. But is he in that second tier of I'm a really, really good quarterback, and you can win with me if, if i got the right team around me? Absolutely, I think he is that. I mean, they've won a lot of games with him, and he's played some really good football, bounced okay. back from that injury last year. So I think he's in that, you know, if there's six, seven guys in that truly top tier, he's one of the seven or eight guys in that next tier who, you know what, you're a Matthew Stafford type where we can, we can win a Super Bowl with you. And I just think that they need to have the right team around Dak Prescott. And we'll find out, you know, how much help they're really giving him this year. What's going on in New England? I mean, the, apparently the offense can't move the ball. They, they're, they're, they're huddling up after practice, and they're talking. And who's, who's the offensive coordinator? What the heck's going on with the greatest coach of all time and Bill Belichick yeah. in New England? Uh, it's, it's really – I mean, and here's, here's one thing I think we need to keep in mind. Everybody hates the Patriots, right? Everybody hates So at the first sign of trouble, everybody wants to kick dirt on their graves. And I get it. I truly do. When you've been good right. for 21 years now and your coach is kind of uh, not the most cuddly personality and all, I, I get all of it. I get why there's the fan hate. But I, And I'm not trying to downplay what's going wrong in their camp because it does seem bad. Like everything, every report you see is this team is not doing well in camp at all. But I guarantee you when we talk on some Wednesday in mid to late October, you're going to ask me, how have the Patriots pulled this off? How have they gotten through the first couple games slump and now they're back in playoff contention? Because Bill Belichick always figures this out. He always finds a way. He's a magician. He is the greatest coach of all time, as much as people hate hearing that. And they're yeah. going to figure this thing out. I really, truly believe that. I don't think that this is a lost cause for them. Now, do I, do I think it's smart to have Matt Patricia as your offense coordinator? I do not. I think that that was a really, really weird decision. But I also just think that, hey, Bill Belichick figures this out. I've been covering covering this that team that that coach for too long, and I've I've kicked dirt on their graves so often that I just kind of shrug and say, you know what, I'm not falling for it again. Bill Belichick's he's going to be okay by the end of this thing. And look, every team has a bad day uh, yeah. at the office. I mean, it just happens. So uh, I would imagine come. Friday, they'll talk about how the, the Patriots offense was moving the ball up and down the field and just yeah. doing a great job with Mac Jones doing that. So, okay, I'm with you. Just Patricia, I see the pencil behind his ear oh. and the cap turned backwards and he's coaching defense, but now yeah. he's going to be calling offensive play. I, I don't yeah. understand. It's a weird, that. it's a weird, weird choice for sure. I, I cannot sit here and tell you I get it. You know what else I don't get? Hey, to each his own and, and everybody can live the life they want, but Aaron Rodgers seems to be woo, out there a little bit to me. You? 
<laughs> he really is. He's a different guy. That's why I thought he might retire, to be honest, because I just thought, saw him as one of those guys who kind of feels like I'm I'm much more than a football player, and I need to prove that. But he came back, and you know he is a great, great football player. So the, I guess that's good for you know NFL fans and all. But it's <laughs> yeah, the more we hear on Rogers talk, the more it's just like this what? guy is a, a unique. Let's put it that way. He is. <laughs> In many ways, marching to his own drummer. So, hey, maybe that's good, maybe it's bad. I don't know. But you're right. Yeah, he is. He is one of a kind as far as NFL players goes. Um, how much is he going to miss Devontae Adams, or does he just make wide receivers better, regardless? I think. I think both. I think both can be true. In that, I think you will miss Devontae a lot because Devontae is a, a true legitimate guy like he is a dude he is on a hall of fame path right now i don't know if he's going to end up getting there but he is putting up those kind of numbers and you can't you can't not feel the effects of losing a guy like that you just can't but at the same time i think you're going to end up being okay because like you said uh, rogers kind of lists every he's one of those six seven guys on the planet who carries everybody on his shoulders he will make everybody around him better and whether it's Romeo Dubs or Alan Lazard or Robert Tanyan, their tight end, somebody's going to have a monster year just because they're catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. He's that good. So yeah, I think really that is. they'll take a step back without Adams, but they'll end up being fine because, hey, it's Aaron Rodgers, and he just turns everybody into something good. I don't do fantasy football. I know a lot of people do, but if I asked you, okay, I need a running back, so who's going to have the better year, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, or Christian McCaffrey? Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think the I think Ezekiel's time has passed. I really do. That decline is a few years now, and he's at a huge, huge workload uh, in his career, so I worry about him. I, I'll go with Christian McCaffrey because with McCaffrey is just one of those things where – it's these weird injuries. It's his shoulder, his quad, his hamstring. Not things that, not an ACL, not an Achilles, not a, not something that really saps usually a running back's career away. And he's still in his prime. But everything out of Giants camp does say Saquon looks good and better than last year. And some of that is just training camp, right? Like everybody looks good in training camp. Everybody gets nice things written about them, except the New England Patriots, I guess. So I don't know that I'm fully bought in on Saquon yet, but I'm happy to hear that he's looking better, and I hope he does well, because he was such an electrifying player between Penn State and his rookie year. and That ACL took a lot out of him, but, you know, he's another year removed, so hopefully he has a good season. But I think the, I think the answer to that one is Christian McCaffrey, because, man, when Christian McCaffrey is healthy, he is, he is a heck of a football player. Great Schwab, Yahoo Sports. So, um who's your surprise team this year? I know we've talked about it before, but who, who's a team that that you think is going to – maybe – would you – Philadelphia, is that considered a surprise team? I don't know. Is there anybody else? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because Philly was in the playoffs last year. We kind of forget yeah. that. You know, like he, they were pretty good by the end of the year. I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon and say the same thing that every better is basically saying right now, and I think it might be the Lions. I really do. Like, huh. the Lions are just getting – they're like when you look at like the most popular bets for you know over win totals and division winner and coach of the year and all that kind of stuff. The Lions are absolutely dominating those markets. Betters love the Detroit Lions, and so do I. I, I think the Lions finished last year really, really well. I think that they really played hard for Dan Campbell. And if you watched the first episode of Hard Knocks last night, we, me and you and other people might roll their eyes at some of the things Dan Campbell says, and he's kind of corny at times and whatnot. But he speaks the player's language. He's a former player himself. 
And there was a clip last night where he's like doing up downs with with the players, like and, and <laughs> you know the people narrating it were like, no coach does this. They're walking around practice to making sure guys are, are giving effort. Dan Campbell's doing the entire rep with with his team up downs. You know, I mean, you know that plays well with the, with that locker room, and they've added talent and they finished well last year. And everything to me points to the Detroit Lions having a really nice kind of breakout season. I'm on board. I think that they're going to be maybe not you know ten wins or anything like that, but they're going to be one of those pleasant surprises where they're in playoff contention in December. Ah, the Schwab. Keep hope alive. I thought I always thought hard knocks was the kiss of death, but we shall see. We <laughs> shall see. All right, Frank, thank you so much. I know you got a busy day on your hands, but uh, we always appreciate your time, man. Have a great one. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll wrap up our number one, set the stage for our number two. After this timeout, the Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. All right, listen up. The Honorville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a Black Pot Cook-Off on Saturday, September 10th. Mark it down. Cooking begins at 8, eating at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arnoldville. There'll be plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit www.arnoldvillefire.org. ArnoldvilleFire.org. Coming up, hour number two of uh, the behind-the-scenes saga with the Brooklyn Nets. The ultimatum is out. Grant Hughes will join us. We'll talk NBA hoops. Michael Huguenin from On3.com. We'll talk all things college football. Hour number two straight ahead. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. We're home for your Astros and your Tigers from LSU here in Southwest Louisiana. We'll be back. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on this Wednesday, August 10th, the year 2022. I know we're getting ready to start the football season, but uh, I've I've been wanting to talk a little bit more about uh, the NBA and what's going on in Brooklyn, and nobody has more inside information and knows uh, what's going on, has great opinions on things uh, than than my my next guest, and you know him very well if you listen to this show, so we'll kick off our number two with some NBA talk with Grant Hughes um, uh, Bleacher Report uh, I, the, Grant it's been a while buddy thank you for your time man how are you doing man I'm great what an intro I gotta come I'll, I'll be back more often if I'm gonna get that every time well you are the best I mean I don't mess around <laughs> I don't mess around at all but um all right so let's let's figure out this uh this NBA deal um well What's going on in Brooklyn? I mean, it seems to me, and you tell me, it seems to me that Kevin Durant's going, I really don't want to be here, so I'm going to do everything and say everything I can possibly do and say to get out of here. So I'm going to draw a line in the sand. It's either me or you keep your coach and your GM. But if you keep them, I'm out of here. Is that What's going on here? 
Yeah, I mean, that's about right. I think so. What, do you, what I think you're going to have as a result of all this, just to kind of take a step back, is a lot of executives, general managers, even even owners that are going to look at this and actually feel pretty good about it because this is an example of Kevin Durant being under contract for four more years and trying to find leverage wherever he can. And his owner in this case is saying, no, you know, so, so this is a good, this is a good thing for teams that want to make sure that they can't have players just asking out and getting what they want with four years left on a contract. Um, but that's all this is. I mean, he's, he's playing every card he has right now. The only one left is a holdout. And, and I think that's probably what we're going to get once training camp starts, if he's still on this team. And, and- People wonder that love the game. They wonder why so many people don't like the NBA. It's for this kind of stuff. And Kevin Durant is the villain here. It's it's hard, right? Because you, so I I I understand the frustration with the idea of this guy signed a contract, which is an agreement. You know, he's agreed to be with this team for this amount of time for this amount of money. Uh, but it's also kind of not fair because the team can trade him whenever it wants. But at the same time. If I'm a fan of the Nets, or you know, insofar as they have you know longtime fans, it's it, it's just it's got to be so frustrating uh, because I mean Durant sort of you know he said he didn't handpick Steve Nash, but he greenlit it, and so <laughs> this is a franchise that's kind of been built to his specifications. And if he's not happy here, then I mean, what do you want? You know, I, I just I think he's really made this bed to a large extent, and so I don't <laughs> think there's going to be a lot of sympathy for him because he, he just he's created the situation, right? And yeah, and the irony of it all is sitting back, relaxing, having a, a a daiquiri on the beach somewhere is the biggest villain of them all, and that's Kyrie Irving. It's taken all sure. the emphasis off of him, and it's put it all on the shoulders of Durant. You know, I I, I trace a lot of this back to uh, you know it seemed like when Durant and Irving both signed there, it was a package deal. And, and I understand as a, a great player like Durant recognizes talent, Kyrie Irving has no shortage of talent. He's just incredibly skilled. But if you look at that guy and you say, he's the guy I really want to team up with and do something great with, I just don't know how you arrive at that decision based on Irving's history. I mean, every team he's left uh, has been happy to see him go. Um, you know, no questioning the talent, but I, I really question Durant's sort of instincts from a personality standpoint if that's the guy that he decided he wanted to professionally uh, team up with. It, it just makes you appreciate what they do at Golden State. you got a superstar who doesn't cause any problems. He loves playing for that team, and they love him back. And Steph Curry, it just, for every bad apple and bad situation like in Brooklyn, you have the complete opposite in Golden State. Yeah, it just shows you, you know, there are great players, and Durant is certainly one. You could argue Irving is one in some regards. But there's a level above that, and I think I'd put Giannis in there, too, because Giannis stayed with the team that drafted him, works mm-hmm. harder than everyone in the building, has a great attitude, never had a character problem, never had any – Curry's that way, too. Curry is the model. But there are a handful of guys, and Jokic in Denver may be getting there. Uh, jury's out on Doncic still in Dallas. But there's just this tiny number of guys that if you've got to build a franchise – to me, there's only like four or five guys I'd take first, and Durant's not one of them, obviously, because you got to have that that no, you know, that no fuss kind of aspect to the to the whole makeup. Grant Hughes, Bleach Report. What would this? Isn't this what the the league kind of needs? Is if Brooklyn 
doesn't cross that line and says, no, we're not trading you and you're, you're under contract and you're going to play and you, we got yourself. We've got Ben Simmons. We've got Kyrie Irving. We're going to give it a run and um, we're going to make the best of it. That, that's what needs to happen. And maybe maybe more players will say, well, gum, if, if, if Kevin Durant can't get his way, how in the heck am I going to get my way? Yeah, I think, and look, that's what, that's what ownership, that's what executives, that's what, you know, everybody that, that sort of has to butt up against, uh, you know, the player empowerment era, I guess, is kind of what it's been called. Um, that's what they're all hoping for. Um, and that's the way it looks like it's going to go. I, I think Brooklyn, you know, as tough a position as, as that team is in right now, um, there, there are some smart people who I think would tell you that they can bottom out and tank this year if they really need to. And if that includes trading everybody but Durant, letting him hold out, they have a pick swap with the Rockets. So they, they're not out a pick in the first round this coming draft. The Rockets are going to be terrible. So they're going to have a high draft pick potentially. Now, Tanking is not ideal, right? But it's certainly better than, you know, having to trade someone for, you know, 50 cents on the dollar or having to fire your coach and executive staff. There are outs still for the Nets. Uh, and I think, look, they're in the position of power, right? Durant can sit out and he can forfeit all that salary and the yeah. Nets will see their luxury tax bill shrink. Um, so, you know, and unless Durant expands the number of teams he's willing to go to, which right now I think is still just Phoenix and Miami, which really can't trade for him, um, right. it's gonna. It may be a while. This may this may linger. Grant, when did play? When did player empowerment take over? Was that LeBron with the decision, or or did it go beyond past that earlier? I think I think LeBron is as he is for many aspects of the league today. He's kind of the model for the modern player. Uh, the idea of having a – fortunately, nobody's done a TV special announcing where they're going in free agency again <laughs> since the decision. But, you know, that kind of thing where he and, and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade kind of just worked it out, right? And that may be the kind of thing that had happened before and we just didn't know about it. But, you know, the scale of it and really the idea of a franchise just setting itself up to build a super team because one guy wanted to go there – I think that's probably it, um, but it, it was kind of inevitable when you know free agency started years and years ago that eventually certain players would sort of start to flex their muscle, and that's that's what that's what this is, right? That's just Durant yeah. being under contract and saying that doesn't matter. <laughs> Crazy, Grant Hughes, Bleacher Report. You mentioned LeBron. Um, it looks like they're sticking with their their trio of Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Uh, what do you foresee for the Lakers with Darvin Ham now uh, calling the shots, or is he? Well, <laughs> that's that's the question, right? I mean, uh, Frank Frank Vogel was a championship coach, and then he's out of a job in a couple years, just because that's how fickle it can be. Um, I I was as low on the Westbrook trade uh, last off season as anybody right. you'd find. Nothing has really changed in my estimation other than now LeBron's a year older, uh, Westbrook's a year older, uh, and, you know, Westbrook is a guy that has not changed his style of play ever. Um, and, you know, as he loses more and more athleticism, which was always his main skill as a basketball player, um, there's just not – there's not – the arrow is not aiming up for, for him. I think the way that the Lakers save themselves, which to me is means like they're the – fifth or sixth seed in the West, like best, absolute best possible outcome is if Anthony Davis kind of unexpectedly has like a top five MVP level season. 
Um, even then, they just their supporting cast is terrible. They don't have any shooting. I think LeBron is probably the best shooter on the team, which is, yeah. I mean, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I see them as a play-in team, but that's because there's five teams in the West that just aren't going to compete this year, and, and that's, that's how it's going to be. All right, give me your thoughts on the Pelicans. Uh, they're, they're, I'm telling you, in this part of the world, ever since the Charlotte Hornets relocated with George Shin to New Orleans, and you know they went through the, uh, the Hurricane Katrina and went up to Oklahoma City and this, and they had the Chris Paul era, and they, they were pretty good uh, knocking on you know one game from beating San Antonio to get to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. But there's never been as much optimism and buzz about a basketball team in New Orleans than this one that they're getting ready to put on the floor. Yeah, I, I think it's justified. Uh, I mean, there's, there's unknowns, right? I think Zion is just, I mean, we saw what he could do in that healthy stretch when he's averaging 27 points and shooting whatever, over 60% from the field. Yeah really yeah. kind of popped when they put the ball in his hands more and then, you know, a year off. And the team got the team got way better in that year off, especially down the stretch. You know, yeah. I think I, I just think how he integrates into a system that has Brandon Ingram, who I think still has another step or two in his development, has CJ McCollum who needs the ball, who's a, you know, really the right guy I think for that backcourt. Yeah. Uh, how how are they going to split up the offensive touches to to where everybody kind of gets what they need and is in the spots they need to be in to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's right. a question, but it's a great problem to have because you're just introducing a guy that, you know, could get you 40 on, on 17 shots, you know, and, yeah. and make 15 free throws or whatever. <laughs> I just, uh, the defense is a question. Uh, I, I really, they're one of the, you know, them, the Timberwolves, uh, you know, the, the, I'm trying to think who else I'm kind of excited to see. Those are the first two of the teams that come to mind just because okay. of the, the, the new talent. Right. Uh, speaking of new talent, they had the summer league. You got to see some of the, the high draft picks. Um, anything stand out to you? Do you see any bona fide stars of the future? I think the guy that, well, actually two guys really popped for me, and they're both on the Thunder. Uh, Chet Holmgren, um, the, you know, how thin he is, is is an issue. And you saw Kenny Lofton Jr., who, by the way, I don't know if you saw so Kenny Lofton, great Indians outfielder years ago, <laughs> Braves outfielder, super yep. fast base stealer, and his son probably goes Jeez. about two ninety five, and and he's a he he was on the Grizzlies uh, summer league team, and he just put Chet in the basket over and yep. over and over. Yeah. Um. So big, strong guys are going to give him problems, but man, is he skilled, and and he's just going to if he led the league in blocks this year, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. Um. So he's really interesting, and then Jalen Williams, uh, out of I got a. I got a plug from my alma mater, Santa Clara, the guy that oh, yeah. 12th, the Thunder. He looks like a real, like, two-way big wing that can make some plays and shoot it. It's kind of like the, the guy that everybody wants, that type of player. Um, he really rose up the draft board and looked really good to me in summer league. So I like the Thunder's young guys a lot. Third most famous Santa Clara uh, alum besides uh, yourself, Steve Nash, and he's third. <laughs> Huh? That's probably it. Yeah, he might pass me. I think. <laughs> uh, what? A, it's still very early. And training camp is what October. Um, it's not that far off. Um, what are the biggest storylines, in your opinion, if you had to, uh, were you know, were put to the task to write a story about it? What, what would the big storylines be this year? 
Man, that's a great question. I think right now is a weird time of year because everything is, you know, all the hot takes from last year have settled down. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's going to seem biased, but I'm really interested to see if the Warriors can follow this last title up with maybe one more because of what that would do for, you know, how this franchise is viewed in league history, oh. how Steph Curry is viewed on yes. the all-time list. Because this would be five titles. You know, yes. and and that's uh, that's rare. That's that's way up there um, in a short span. So that that's big. I, I'm interested to see how Rudy Gobert looks in Minnesota because uh, wow. that's just you know putting two big guys together really cuts against the way the league has gone for ten plus years. Um, yeah. Not to say it won't work, but I'm curious. Um, but, you know, those are the kind of smaller issues. The other big picture, I don't know how much you know. Uh, a more casual audience will care about this, but the salary cap's going to spike again in 25-26, and the last time that happened, you had Durant go to the Warriors, you had all these crazy contracts. So I think you may see some really wild spending um, that looks crazy in the next couple years that will all sort of look okay once, you know, teams' salary caps go up 30% or whatever it is. So that's, that's kind of the big picture thing okay. to kind of keep an eye on. So the Pelicans okay. maybe, you know, they're up against the cap. Uh, that's not going to be the case for long. They they may yeah. have some spending power like everybody else, so that'll be interesting. I, I was I was remiss in, in when I talked about the Golden State Warriors. What, what's going to happen with Draymond Green? Not a lot right now. Um, I think you know the Warriors have a bunch of guys that are eligible for extensions or you know renegotiations and things like that. Um, I think my my gut is that the Warriors will not max out green on his next contract whether that's years or dollars i think they they appreciate what he's done for the team they understand his value they know though that he will not be as effective anywhere else as he is for them and playing with curry so they've got some negotiating leverage um i i think i think he'll still i when it's all said and done i think the core of the warriors you know thompson curry green will finish their careers with the franchise. It may just be a little touch and go, and there may be some posturing from a negotiating standpoint between now and then. But it would be difficult for me to imagine the franchise, you know, breaking those three up. All right, one last one. Um, Who gets traded first, Irving or Durant, or are both in a a Brooklyn Nets jersey when the season begins? I I think probably Irving goes first. Okay. Um, be- because now that Durant has made his trade demand, you know, whatever, whatever urgency there was to keep Irving, to keep Durant happy has disappeared because he's not happy. So, so now you can go look around for, you know, try to get those two first round picks from the Lakers for, with Russell Westbrook and then, you know, buy out Westbrook or whatever. But Irving seems easier to trade to me. Uh-huh. Amazing. Uh, amazing. I hope I hope Brooklyn holds on tight and sends a message to the world. We ain't no, no. You signed the contract, you honor the contract. And if you don't show up and play, we're not gonna pay you. And you know what? It's okay. We'll 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 figure it out down the road. That's my hope. Um, but we shall see. Um man, it's great. The summertime's going well for you, having some fun. Oh, man. Well, today was the uh, first day back of, of school for both my kids, so it was a very quiet house this morning. I, I wow. very much appreciated that. So summer's <laughs> over in, in that in that sense, which yeah. uh, I, I'd say... Uh, I'd say all the parents out there understand how ready uh, how ready my wife and I were for that. So <laughs> happy to get them back in school and out of the house. 
I am with you on that one. Uh, Grant Hughes, Bleach Report. Nothing better than talking hoops with you, man. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy that peace and quiet. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, buddy. You take care. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. Much more. Uh, the Jordy Helpberg Show here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Astros and the Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 10th, 1975. Jack Nicklaus wins his fourth OGA championship at Firestone Country Club. The Golden Bear defeats Australian Bruce Crampton by two strokes. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back. Uh, Mike Huguenin coming up here shortly. But before that, let's hear from some of the New Orleans Saints after their uh, their practices, starting off with um, Taysom Hill, uh, who missed some practice early, had that foot situation, and um, is now back uh, and working at tight end. So Taysom Hill was asked, um, how's he feeling these days? Yeah, this camp has been a little bit of a whirlwind for me. Overall, I'm feeling good. You know, I'm still in this kind of ramp-up phase, obviously coming off the foot, and I feel like the foot did really well this offseason, the first couple days, and then I had the ribs, and so now I'm just starting to ramp up again and take it one day at a time. The foot and the ribs, I still think he's going to be terrific. He's been studying this tight end room. Here's what uh, the quarterback, now tight end, said about what I think is going to be a strength of this club. I respect what these guys do, and let's say my respect for what our tight ends have done here historically have just gone up as I've been in their meeting room, and I didn't fully understand what we asked them to do. And so, I've man, I've paid very close attention to what, what they do on the field, what they do, you know, watching film, and I've just tried to replicate what they're doing. Uh, Taysom Hill also talked about uh, a guy that I think is going to have a standout year, and that's Adam Troutman. Here's what Taysom talked about as he complimented his cohort at the tight end position. I, I would say, aside from the quarterback room, and, and again, I haven't been exposed to other rooms, but I would say the tight ends are probably asked to do the most when it comes to mentally, physically, you know, they've got to put their hand in the, in the ground and block a defensive end, but then they're running a route against the safety or, you know, DB. And so you're undersized in one element and then you're oversized in the other. And uh, there's so many different fronts and techniques and, and, you know, you're expected to know all the different, you know, sets and, and what that looks like for you. And I would say Adam is a guy that we're all still learning, but I really respect, you know, his his approach to the game mentally and I, I think he understands it on so many different levels um, and his ability to translate you know being in the film room and drawing the X's and O's and understanding it out on the football field is is very impressive I would Ooh, say that's very, what sticks out very good uh, high compliments what does his coach say uh, here's Dennis Allen talking about Adam Troutman, who, remember, just had an injury-plagued year. He was ha- just had a bad second season. Um, can he turn it around? Here's Dennis Allen on Adam Troutman. You know, I think he's really developing himself into that wide tight end role. 
probably one of our more well-rounded players just in terms of blocking the perimeter, you know, blocking on the edge, and, and also being a threat in the passing game. So I think, you know, I've, I've seen some improvement and, and, and hopefully we'll continue to have that. And I think one of the things why you see some of that is he's been healthy and been available throughout the offseason, now into training camp, and, and it's hard for some of these young guys that have injuries to really make the improvement that you want to see him make. And, and he's been healthy, and, and I think that's why you're seeing some of that. All right, here's uh, another soundbite. Uh, Paulson Adebo, um, who has um, you know drawn rave reviews, had a great rookie season. Um, he's had to, to cover Michael uh, Thomas in, in practice. And here's uh, what he said the challenge of guarding 13 is all about. Yeah, I mean, just a big, physical, strong receiver. Catches everything, right? Is definitely going to challenge you, uh, you know, on every play, right? Somebody who's going to compete on every play. So you love going up against him, and you love to have him on your team. Uh, one of the keys to the Saints is is Marcus Davenport, and can he stay healthy? Can he put up the numbers opposite of Cam Jordan and and really affect the quarterback? Dennis Allen, defensive minded head coach, he talked about da- Davenport returning back to the club. He's in the same same position. I think we got him out here today for some walkthrough individual. That'll kind of be the routine probably for a few days. And then hopefully as we keep going, we'll begin to ramp him up into some pass rush drills or some nine on seven or you know, maybe even some team reps at some point in time. But we're, we're certainly not there yet. Marcus Callaway in the wide receiver room, as we talk with John Hendricks and Howard number one, says it's been very, very, very quiet. That gives others an opportunity, including Kirk Merritt. Here's Dennis Allen on the wide receiver. Yeah, I've, I've seen a player that, that gradually has has kind of caught my eye. You know, probably early on in the OTAs, um, I don't think he caught the ball as well as I would have liked, but then after two or three days, the next thing you know, you're, you know, he's, he's making all these sideline toe-tap catches. Um, and so he's a guy that's that's caught my eye. I like his ability to run after the catch. So, um, look, we'll see. We'll get him out here in some game action and see what he can do. All right. There's the latest from the New Orleans Saints. They've got 13 practices uh, under their belt. And uh, they'll finally get to play somebody else as they travel to Houston for a Saturday night uh, kickoff against the Houston Texans. Don't expect many of the starters to play um, in this one or the stars to play. I just don't think that's going to happen. All right. Um, we we are your home for the Houston Astros. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways, powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We will take a time out here when we return. It's Hump Day with Huguenin here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. Woo-hoo! 
on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Woohoo is right. One of my favorite segments of the week. Michael, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Doing quite well. We're only about uh, two and a half weeks away from the start of the season, so uh, it's a great time to be alive. I'm kind of curious. You live in the Florida area, so you get a pulse of what's going on. What's going on in Gainesville, and, and how's Billy Napier now? He, there was a, a moment in time where Gator fans were, oh, this guy can't recruit. Well, that's nonsense. But uh, what are you hearing about Napier and the effect he's having with the Florida Gators? Yeah, I think there's no question that off-the-field stuff is in much better hands. The recruiting staff has been greatly increased. The support staff has been greatly increased. He got the budget for football increased. Um, they are doing an, uh, a solid job for the 2023 recruiting class. And, yeah, you actually had Florida fans calling for assistance to be fired because they weren't recruiting well. I mean, that's, that's the, you know, the ridiculousness of off-season college fans and message board stuff. On the field, I think he has a – he has a good starting 22. I think Mullen left a good starting unit. The question is the depth, uh, the wide receiver depth, and especially the depth along the defensive front. And considering that you got to have big-time defensive lines to win in the SEC, that puts a cap on what Florida can do this fall because they have one established defensive lineman. Uh, that's it. Now, they got some edge guys who can play. Um, I think their secondary is going to be fine, and I think their linebacker core is going to be better than expected. But, you know, if, you're often, if your defensive line is getting blown off the ball, your linebackers are making plays five and six, year, six yards down the field, and that's the concern. And, you know, Anthony Richardson's got a high ceiling as a, as a quarterback, yeah. but I, I think this team will be vastly better coached defensively. Patrick Toney knows what he's doing, uh, as Louisiana fans know. Uh, Sean Stewart, the... Um, Defensive line coach is the co-DC. I think the defensive front is going to be coached well, even though the talent's not there. But I think this Florida team has a chance to finish second in the East. They also could finish fifth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Hugan and On3.com. We know the Saban coaching tree. Um, Kirby Smart has to be considered the best on his tree because he won a national championship. Who's second? Who's the next coach, you think? Interesting. Um you know, Kiffin's done some interesting things uh, uh-huh. at Ole Miss, at FAU. Um, yeah, maybe Kiffin. I, I think his he, he was rehabbed to an extent by working for Saban. I think he's still a little bit a little bit too laissez-faire when it comes to uh, his lack of recruiting intensity. But uh, I think that working with Saban sharpened his focus in a lot of areas. I think the fact that he's at Ole Miss, as long as he's at Ole Miss, I think they're going to have an offense that causes issues for other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does a great job of mining the transfer portal, but the flip side of that is he has to because his high school recruiting isn't as good as it should be. But I think, yeah. you know, I think that Kiffin definitely learned some things working with Saban. I think he's more mature as a coach. <laughs> Maybe not as a person, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think right now I'd have Kiffin number two. Where do you have Jimbo Fisher? Because he was way back in the day now. When, yeah, but, when you know, and yeah, he won a national title, but I'll be honest. I think Kiffin, the last two years, has gotten more out of what he has than okay. Fisher has. 
Um, yeah. And Fisher has more talent to work with. Last year, you know, you know, buddy, folks says, "Oh, Texas A&M beat Alabama last year." They also lost four games. They lost to LSU. They lost in Mississippi State. And given the talent disparity, there is no excuse for that. Um, and you know, Fisher made his bones at FSU. He did a nice job, obviously, with Jameson Winston winning a national title. He also got Christian Ponder and E.J. Manuel drafted in the first round, and they had no business being drafted in the first round. But I would argue that given the amount of money he's being paid at A&M, there's a heck of a lot of pressure on him this year. Um, And you look at their schedule, you look at the rest of the SEC West, they're clearly and distinctly to me the second-best team in the West. If they don't go at least 10-2, and I think this season will have been a disappointment. If he pulls another eight and four, oh my goodness, yeah. What's going to happen there? If he goes eight and four and with no injuries, I think you're going to have A and M fans grumbling loudly. We did not bring him in to go eight and four. Um, The quarterback situation there is interesting. I think the three most interesting ones are are Michigan, considering they went to the playoff last year and might switch quarterbacks. LSU because their passing attack could be quite good if they picked the right guy, and Texas A&M. And, you know, I think last year A&M, if Haynes King is healthy last year, I think they go better than 8-4, and four, maybe 9-3, or even 10-2. and two. Um, And I think if Haynes King is healthy last year, Max Johnson would not have transferred to Texas A&M because yeah. he would have realized yeah. I ain't beating that guy out. He's had a year in that offense. But I think the Texas A&M quarterback situation is, is exceedingly interesting. Um, you know, can you win with Max Johnson? Yes. Uh, I think the difference is I think Haynes King can win you games, and I'm not sure Max Johnson can win you games. You, again, you can win with Max Johnson, but I think Haynes King can actually win you games. Um, so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what, what Fisher does there. And I'm looking for a quarterback. LSU looking for a quarterback. Um, Missouri's got their quarterback named. Uh, Cook is going to be their guy. Uh, any other interesting? I mean, what, uh, Ole Miss still looking for a quarterback. Who else? Yeah, that's you know. I think everyone assumed, oh, it's Jackson Dart. But I've been told that Luke Altmaier's got a legit chance. He's yeah. been there, obviously. He knows the offense. Um, I think Dart has more physical skills. But I also think that. You know, he was more highly rated out of high school, and those kind of guys always are or are highly hyped. Um, the skill, the surrounding skill, position, talent certainly is intriguing because, again, Kiffin did a phenomenal job in the portal. Michael Trigg, he brings in Jalen Robinson from UCF. He brings in Zach Evans from TCU, was an extremely talented running back from SMU, who's a really solid number two running back. But, yeah, Altmaier seemingly has a legit chance. And, again, I think Michigan is fascinating. Caden into the college football playoff. And just like at Georgia, you got fans going, we got other quarterbacks who are better than he is. So, and J.J. McCarthy has been hurt. He supposedly is 100% now. So that's going to be interesting to follow at, um, at Michigan. The North Carolina quarterback job uh, with Sam Howell gone, what happened? Right. And now you got Sam Hartman at Wake who to me is one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the country. Wake Forest announces this morning he has a non-football medical issue that's going to sideline him indefinitely. You hope that's not serious because 
You know, know, Wake Forest played for the ACC title last year. Yes, they, they got did. 18 starters back. They can yes. win the ACC this year if Sam Hartman plays every game. Guy that came up with uh, 50 touchdowns a year ago, exactly. staying in the ACC. I don't know what's happening, but there seems to be a resurgence at the U because now they've got the Dwayne The Rock Johnson locker room. They also announced a $1 million gift going toward a state-of-the-art renovation of the men's and women's basketball weight room. Um, things are happening at the U. Yeah, I grew up down in Miami, um, and it's obviously the city is a lot different than it was when I grew up, but I'll be honest, the campus is, it can't get much bigger, because um, it, it, it's, it's in the city of Coral Gables, a really tony suburb, and they don't have, a, there's, not, there's no land to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the football, you know, they built a football practice field a couple of years ago. Um, they're building a football facility. One thing, you know, I talked about Napier. Making sure that Florida spends more money on a lot of different things. Mario Cristobal has done the same. Yeah. Uh, Miami was sort of trying to live a millionaire's lifestyle, making seventy thousand dollars a year. Um, Cristobal has got them to pony up. They're spending a lot more money on athletics. They have an extremely active booster in the NIL space, John Ruiz, who has not been shy about publicizing the amount of money he's tossing around. But, um, you know, and Cristobal's another guy who did a phenomenal job in the portal, brought in mm-hmm. seven defensive players. All seven could start. I don't think they will. All seven are going to play major roles this year, though, and I think it's, I think it'll be more like five starters. But Cristobal has made sure Miami is getting serious about spending money on, on football especially. But, the, you know, the Miami renovated its baseball stadium a couple of years ago. It's a nice facility. Uh, they built a basketball arena on campus about yeah. two decades ago. That, I don't think there's room, unfortunately, for Miami to build a football stadium on campus unless they knock some stuff down mm-hmm. or spend an inordinate amount of money buying adjacent land to their campus. Yeah. But, again, that's an extremely tony suburb of Miami with a ton of money. And sneaky under the radar, and I know him. He's a friend of mine. Uh, he did a great job at, at LSU, did a great job at Georgia Tech, did a great job at Clemson. Dan Radakovich is their athletic director, and he's built tremendous facilities throughout his career and really knows what it means to be an athletic director. I think, I think Miami's on the rise, man. I really yeah, do. Radakovich is 66 or 67, I believe. This is his final job. I believe he went to yeah. uh, grad school there. So he knows the lay of the land. Um, I think he is a little more aggressive than some of their past ADs. Um, I think he took the job right around the same time Cristobal did with the acknowledgement that, okay, okay, UM officials, it's time for us, uh, you know, I'll take this job. And just like for the same reasons Cristobal is, you, you got to make sure you're ponying up the cash here. This yeah. is no longer 1985 where you could get by on, on a relative shoestring budget. I think Radikovich has presented a different vision to the boosters and to the administration, and they are going to be spending money they have not spent in the past. Mike Hugan and On3.com with all the, all the information. I just how How does the Big Ten – get a media rights agreement with Fox, CBS, and NBC. Yep. How does that work? You know, we've been talking about, you and I, about the TV stuff 
right. uh, for the last seven or eight months. And I've said, I'm surprised, frankly, they don't have a streaming service involved here. But, you know, the idea, you know, a lot of, it was mind-blowing. We wrote a story last fall that, okay, CBS loses the SEC. You actually have people thinking outside, the, oh, they're done with football. And we had a story saying, they're oh, not well. done. They're going to try to get no. back in with something. The thing yeah. that struck me was that CBS, I'm sorry, that NBC is also coming into the picture. Um, so you basically have, th- you know, the, the Big Ten football deals, a lot like the NFL's. Three yes. separate networks. Heck, the NFL has four networks. So um, it is interesting, and the interesting thing to me is that CBS is going to be paying more to the Big Ten for the number two game than CBS paid to the SEC for the yeah. number one game. That's and that's crazy. what media rights deals, they're going up and up and up. And if you're the Big Ten, you added USC. Um, and you and I talked a couple weeks ago. USC's addition gives that league four legitimate national brands. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and USC. Yeah. And you also got Michigan State, which carries some cachet, especially in basketball. UCLA, especially in basketball. Wisconsin gets good TV ratings when they play. Um, it's, you know, Kevin Warren, for a guy who was seen as overmatched as a commissioner a year ago, um, he knows what he's doing. Uh, and him and Sankey are laughing when they go to bed every single night. Let me ask you this. USC is a private school. They can do whatever the heck they want. UCLA's not. You had the governor come out and say, I want to see what what do y'all do? Could they possibly veto that move and bring UCLA back to the Pac-12? I can't see that happening. I think the amount of money, I mean, this is a perfect example. If you're the UCLA chancellor, you can go to the governor and and the board of governors who oversee the California California system. And remember, there's two different university systems in California. There's the state university system, and there's the UC system, which is, you know, UCLA, Cal Berkeley, Cal Stanislaus. That's the better one. The state one is like Cal State Fresno, Cal State Fullerton, Cal Mm -hmm. that that kind of stuff. So if you, now that this TV deal has been publicized, you're the UCLA chancellor, you go to everybody and say, look what CBS is paying for the number two game in our Big Ten TV deal. We cannot be a proactive athletic department if we stay and have to divvy up what the Pac-12 is going to be selling its members. So Mm -hmm. I think the amount of money is just too much for anybody to force UCLA back into um, the Pac-12. Now, there's bad blood evidently in the UC system, um, but I think a lot of that bad blood might be jealousy on some schools parts. Yeah, I, I would have loved. And, you know, it's also have... if you're Cal Berkeley, you're, you're ticked. Um, but the idea that you know there's a University of California San Diego campus, um, you know, University of California at Davis campus. If you're letting right. those two schools or schools of that nature dictate what UCLA does. That's like letting Troy and UAB dictate what Alabama does. That does not happen. So I think UCLA is is fine. I I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that room that says, um, okay, look, we'll do the deal, but we don't want to cover Rutgers football. We don't want to cover Indiana football. So what are we going to do here? Uh, I mean, we want Michigan. uh, We want Ohio State. uh, You know, we want Penn State. Uh, Can you imagine the the negotiating going on 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 what games, what 
these three networks are going to cover? That's what's going to be interesting. And, again, something you and I have talked about. When, when, you're, when you're the SEC commissioner, when you're the Big Ten commissioner, heck, when you're the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 commissioners, all your schools are not created equal. You know, if you're, right. if you're the ACC commissioner, TV wants to show Clemson. They don't want to show Duke. That's right. If you're the Big Ten, they want to show Ohio State, Penn State, USC, and Michigan. They don't want to show Rutgers or Indiana. And if you're the SEC commissioner, yeah, they, they, networks want to see – they want to show LSU. They want to show Alabama. They want to show Georgia. They don't yeah. want to show Mississippi State or South Carolina. Nope. So that's, I think, Heck no. that's going to be something that at some point, if you're – you know, let's get serious here. If you're Alabama or LSU – why are you cutting up the pie equally with Mississippi yeah, State? That's next. That that's is next. next. That's we're, next. Exactly right. Yeah. We're out of time on this, but uh, always fun, man. Michael Hugan and On3.com. Thank you so much, my friend. Talk to you next week. You Have a good it. weekend. You too. Blue it. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holbert Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All righty. We welcome you back. Finishing touches of this um, Wednesday, August the 10th. Special thanks to our guest today, John Hendricks, with the very latest from the New Orleans Saints training camp. Frank Schwab, the very latest around the NFL. Grant Hughes, the very latest in the NBA. And Michael Huguenin with the very latest of all things college football we have astros on tomorrow so we will uh we will see you again on friday but if today august 10th is your birthday well happy birthday from all of us to all of you you share your day with a pretty good basketball player and we we certainly hope that uh Coach McMahon at LSU can find another one of these and coach him up here. But happy 23rd birthday to Ja Morant. Boy, he is electric and exciting. It's time for uh, Zion Williamson to stay healthy and show why he was indeed the number one pick. Morant number two to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Pretty good actor. Antonio Banderas is 62 years old today and longtime NBA player. I can't believe he's only 29 but how many years in the league has andre drummond been in the league my gosh andre drummond celebrating his 29th birthday so um there you go if it's yours i hope you get some cake some ice cream and and a present or two so uh james thank you so much and oh a birthday wish to glenn gilbo friend of the program glenn keep up the good work man um James, thank you for everything. Thanks to all of you for listening in or watching in or streaming in. We greatly appreciate that. And thanks to our partners, because we really couldn't do it without you. Um, So until next time, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, right? That's the most important. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And uh, you know what? Let's all be happy. We'll see you on Friday. Enjoy the Astros tomorrow and enjoy Miguez and Mesh next here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. So long, everybody.